Take your Bibles with me this morning and open them to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Gospel of Luke chapter 10 verse 17 as we talk about the 72 individuals sent out by the Lord into the surrounding region for the mission of the kingdom of God. They are now returning and we are going to look at their return and hopefully answer some questions for us as we really begin to discuss the subject of joy this morning. And I want to begin by asking you some questions. These are personal questions that you need to answer answer in your own heart and in your own mind and in a, a personal fashion. And it is, the first one, how much do you value joy? What is the value that you place on joy? In fact... How far are you willing to go to find joy? How important is joy to you? What kind of importance and priority do you, do you place upon that uh, subject, that uh, experience, that sense of, of lasting and abiding joy? I would say that if you're being honest, and you may realize this answering the question yourself, that Joy is really one of the greatest longings of the human heart. And we're talking about abiding joy, lasting joy, perpetual joy, complete joy. It is something that every human being longs for and desires and, and pursues. In fact, we see that when people want and desire heaven, even though they don't care necessarily about God. They want heaven and they want a paradise because they want some sense of joy, right? Some sense of peace. They want and they hope for an afterlife that they get to, to dwell in where there is constant, remaining, never fading joy for them. And again, that's because it's, it's in the human heart to long for joy. It's part of our existence. Now, some people would classify it, although it's a, a desire, it's elusive, isn't it? Or illusionary. It's not real. Because they haven't figured out how to have it and how to keep it. And yet, they would say that I spend most of my pursuits and most of my resources and most of my time and most of my effort looking for it and longing for it. Even the smallest taste of happiness makes us want a lasting and abiding sense of joy, right? Unfortunately, most people aren't sure how to find this joy. It may be real, it may not be real. It, it's something I want and, and something that I would have if life were perfect, but I'm not sure how to find joy. I want it, but really, where is it? And really, how do I get it? And now we come into all the, the pursuits of humanity. Everything that the world chases after, I would say, boils down to a, a pursuit after joy, contentment, completion, fulfillment, uh, wholeness. And so people ask questions like, is it, in, is it in drugs? Maybe I'll find joy in substance. What about emotional security? Is joy found in 
and emotional security or mental well-being? Is it found in financial relief or overall wealth? Is it found in health? Is it found in a marriage or my marriage or my children or my grandchildren? Is joy going to be found in possessions? What I can accumulate in this life is joy found in perhaps sexual escapades or gender identity. Maybe it's found in violence or revenge or hatred and on and on and on. And truth be told, many of us can answer confidently and say there is no joy at the end of those things because I've been there. And the vast majority of people are eagerly pursuing and devoting themselves to run down these paths of of vanities only to come to the end of the road and say there is no joy here. There's only fast fleeting and guilt ridden pleasure. And I have not found anything lasting. I have not found anything abiding. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks to that church. Chapter 1, the writer, the king of Israel in Jerusalem, Solomon, the preacher of preachers, writes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He spends his whole book here and much of his life pursuing things in the world to try to find what would be pleasing and enjoyable and satisfying for man while he's in this world and while he lives this life, he, he admits that the, the whole desire and the whole pursuit is to find how an individual can find joy in this existence. And he comes to the end of the book and he says in chapter 12, verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man. I've chased after everything and everything this world can offer and, and I've looked for satisfaction and I've looked for purpose and I've, I've looked for abiding joy and all I can do is come to the end and say, it's not found in this life. Joy is found in eternal matters and eternal things and it's the duty of man to fear God and keep His commandments, to walk with Him and obey Him and enjoy Him. And yet, we witness ourselves and we witness many people entrapped with a false pursuit down a false path for a false sense of fleeting joy right i'm going to go out on a limb and say everything that our our world is built upon right now and everything that people give themselves for is for this sense of joy this solution for for the relief of the painful existence that they experience I I am struggling in life and I have hardships in life and I have difficulty in life and I want relief from those difficulties. Relief would be joy. So what can I find? What solution is out there to give me abiding and lasting joy? And they are entrapped in worldly things. Pursuing worldly solutions. And so what we find is that the rich aren't satisfied Substance abuse users aren't satisfied. The married aren't satisfied. Parents aren't satisfied. Grandparents aren't satisfied. Those who are indulging in the gender revolution aren't satisfied. And those who are indulging in sexual escapades aren't satisfied. Those who are protesting in violence aren't satisfied. Those who are living a life full of hatred aren't satisfied. Those who are trying to get back at their enemies aren't satisfied. They go down all of these roads to come to the end and say, I'm still not finding joy. I'm still not finding relief from the pain in this life. And that's, that's common for all of us. 
We all live, believer and unbeliever alike, we all live in the same painful, fallen world, right? And as I was thinking about this issue, I kept thinking, this is not just an issue for unbelievers. There are many in the church asking the same questions today. Why do I not have lasting and abiding joy? Many of you are asking that question today. Many of you, perhaps all of us, asked that question this week. Where is my joy? Where is my contentment? Where is my fulfillment? Where is my satisfaction? Where is my sense of completeness? And we watch the world run after things that will not end in joy and will not end in satisfaction. And then, unfortunately, we find ourselves running after some of those same things. And we find ourselves running, or find other brothers and sisters running after the same things, getting mixed up in the same kind of nonsense as the world. And we know what the answer is supposed to be, right? We know that our joy is supposed to be in Christ, but we really have another question. How is our joy in Christ? How do I get that benefit? I know it's supposed to be there, and I'm, I'm supposed to have it as a Christian, and, and it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a, it's a benefit of salvation, and being eternally secured with Christ, but I don't know how to make it a reality to me. I don't know how to make it personal. Well, as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, the whole duty of man is to fear God and obey Him, is to know Him and walk with Him and enjoy Him and keep His commandments. And that's what we would come down to say today. Joy is found in Christ, yes, and that is found in walking with Him in obedience and in faith. What kind of obedience and what kind of faith? Well, that's what our text speaks to today. Finding joy, even in the midst of difficulty. We come to a text today that deals with the subject of joy and it deals with the subject of the kingdom of God over the power of darkness. And when you bind those two things together, church, I'm giving you the answer today of how you can have joy in Christ. It is working alongside Him in the advancement of the kingdom. It's walking with Christ and desiring and and being a part of the establishment of His rule and His law in this world today. And, and that is done primarily through the Gospel going forth and proclaimed. Just as these 72 individuals were sent to proclaim the Gospel. That's where we find our joy as well. There are many Christians today who would say joy is elusive to them. And satisfaction and contentment is elusive to them. We can see an answer today in Luke chapter 10. Look with me in verse 17. We find the, the why and the how we can find joy in serving with Christ in this passage. Luke chapter 10 verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, Luke says, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, 
but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So these 72 are returning to the, the Lord here. And this is the first point that we find. It's in verse seven, 17. And it's that joy is found in participating with Christ. And participating in the advancement of the kingdom. And these 72 are coming back from what we should define and will define as a difficult mission. And although their mission was difficult, they are found to be filled with joy. Now that is so contrary to modern thought. Alright? Don't buy the lie that joy is only found in the easy things in life. Because guess what? It's not found there either. If life were all roses and lilies and everything was easy, you would still not have abiding joy. So don't buy the lie that it's greener on the other side of the fence. If I do this, that, and the other, things will be easier and, and life will be joyful. That's not the answer. In fact, these 72 individuals come back from a very difficult mission and they are filled with joy in spite of its difficulty. You remember last week we walked through verses 1 through 17 and we talked about their, the task that was given to them and it was a, a daunting task and it was a dangerous task and it was a task that they had to be dependent upon Christ and it was often disappointing for them and it often revealed devastation when people rejected the gospel. That's what they were engaged in. And yet, despite all of that difficulty and all the hardship that they may face on the road, they come back to the Lord elated, filled, filled up to the brim with joy. What we find is joy in the midst of hardship and in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of rejection and possible hostility. Things, Jesus told them, you can be certain, things aren't going to go the way you would want them to. I'm sending you out anyways as lambs in the midst of wolves. And these individuals come back and say, you won't believe what happened. We are filled with joy. Why? Why do they have joy and how can they have joy? Even in the midst of the hardships of being faithful to Christ in the, in the face of a dark world who hates Christ. How can they have joy? They tell us. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, are we to take that and say that joy is only found in exorcisms and demon, the demonic battles? Is that what they're saying? Are they, are they saying that our source of joy is wrapped up in the fact that we can uh, wrestle with demons? No, I don't think that's what they're saying. This is a, an overall expression, a, a summarizing expression of their work, uh, of, of their mission that they've been sent out on. And it is basically simply saying, Lord, your kingdom is being advanced. The enemy can't overcome it. And the enemy's not overcoming it. And the gospel is going forth. And people are being healed. And, and the demons, they're rising up, but they can't do anything. They can't stop it. They can't, they can't get in the way. They can't even hinder it. Your kingdom is advancing and it is going forth. And because of that, Jesus, we have joy. That even the greatest enemy cannot stop your work. And even the greatest evil known in the existence of the universe can't get in the way and can't detract and derail what your kingdom is doing. That gives us joy. 
But it's so much more than that. It's not just that your kingdom's being advanced. And it's not just that evil can't stop your kingdom. It's that you and your grace has given us a part to play in the advancement of your kingdom. Church, that is where joy is found. You will not know full joy in Christ if you are not serving with Christ. It really is as simple as that. You may know some joyful elements of walking with Christ and you may know the joy of of forgiveness and you may know some of the joy of of fellowshipping with him in in fervent and vibrant and, and sincere prayer, but you will not know the full joy of Christ unless you are serving with Christ. These people can come back and, and stare down such a difficult task and say it was all worth it. I know joy. Because your kingdom's going forth and it's not going to be stopped and you've allowed me to be a part of it. What an what an awesome awesome realization for us what a hopeful realization for us because guess what we too have a daunting task right that may at times be disappointing and dangerous and difficult taking the gospel to your family members is not always easy and taking the gospel to your coworker and your neighbor and your children and your grandchildren is not always easy. And taking the gospel to some stranger on the street or in the coffee shop that you meet is not always easy. But let me tell you something. If you do it and you spend your life for the glory of Christ, you'll know joy. You'll know the joy that these 72 knew. Now, is the joy coming because of their own power? Are we to be pursuing certain kinds of gifts to find joy? Only the select few find joy? Are they strong enough in themselves to find joy? No, that's not what they're saying. They're not saying the demons are subject to us, period. They're saying the demons are subject to you. And you're allowing us to be your vessels and your tools and your instruments to send forth the establishment of the gospel in the world. These 72 individuals, they knew the significance of serving with Christ. Maybe that's where our issue is. Maybe we we struggle with service and we struggle with exercising our gifts and we struggle with spending our lives for the glory of Christ because we don't know the significance of walking with Christ and, and being used of Christ for that purpose. These guys knew the significance. Most of them, if not all of them, had probably walked with Jesus for the vast majority of his earthly ministry. They've seen him do a lot of uh, supernatural and and divine things. They've seen him exercise a lot of awesome, God-given, God-glorifying power. And then they also know how weak and helpless they are in such matters. They knew that they can't heal the sick and they know that they can't bring the dead back to life and they know that they can't do this, that, and the other like Jesus can. And perhaps most of them, if we just take the the general fact of Jesus' overall ministry, probably most of them were insignificant in social statuses. And now all of a sudden, here they stand, sent out by Christ and enabled by Christ with the ability and the power to advance the kingdom of God. That's significant. And, and such is, is it true for us today, right? 
Isn't, isn't this us today? Some of us are insignificant in, in social standings in the world. And we are all weak and helpless on spiritual matters. And we've all witnessed Christ do great things in people's lives, that things that we could never dream to do in our own lives or much more somebody else's life. And yet God says, I, I want you to be my tool. I want you to be my instrument. I, I want to work through you in your context where you're at to further the gospel in somebody's life. What, what an honor. And what a privilege. And how significant that the living God would use us for His glorious purposes. That's what these 72 realize. They get to be a part of this divine, eternal work of God. And they, even in the midst of the difficulty of it, know that there is certain joy here. So the reality is this, a believer has joy when that believer is actively serving with God for the advancement of the kingdom. Now let's say it one more time. A believer has joy when that believer is actively serving with God for the advancement of the kingdom. And these individuals are proof that you can even have joy even when that is hard and difficult. And the reason is, I just want to say this, God has gifted us all uniquely for a unique purpose in a unique way to bring glory to Him and to send the Gospel forth in somebody's life. You don't have to be a paid church staff. You don't have to be a missionary. You are a missionary where you're at. Your job is the context God would use you in. Your family is the context God would use you in your neighborhood, among your friends. Those are the place God wants to use you to advance the kingdom of God. And it will be a tremendous joy if you do so. Dispel the lies of rejection and dispel the, the lies of fear and dispel the, the difficulty that may lie ahead. If you want joy as a Christian, if you want that joy that you're promised in Christ, here's how you get it. Join Him in advancing the kingdom of God in this world. Because conversely, the opposite is true. And this is where too many Christians find themselves. You will not fully know the joy of the Lord if you're not using your gifts to serve the Lord. So I have to ask one question here before we move on. And that question is, are you struggling with joy today? Are you struggling with joy if the answer is yes, the next question follows. Are you serving with God in gospel ministry? Are you expending yourself and giving yourself for the glory of Jesus and reaching the people around you? Because when you became a new creation, that became the desire and DNA of your heart. One last thing before we move on. Some of you may be asking, what is my gift that God has given me to use? Let me tell you, it's really, really simple. Whatever godly desires and abilities He's placed in your heart, He wants you to use those for His exaltation. That's your gift. And that's your calling. And it is that simple. Whatever godly desires He's placed in your heart and whatever godly abilities He's given you to use, that's what He wants you to use. That's what He wants you to do. Do it. 
The church is the primary outlet for that, but the church is also the, the hand to help you discover those things and explore those gifts and then use them. What has God given you a desire for? And what has He given you the ability to do? Do that with all your heart for His glory, for His exaltation, for the advancement of the gospel. You will know joy. Number two, verse 18 and verse 19. Joy is not only found in participation. Joy is found in the King of the Kingdom. Again, we're talking about the issues of joy and the issues of the Kingdom of God. Joy is found in the King of the Kingdom. Now, at first glance, in verse 18, Jesus gives a very peculiar response to these 72. They come back full of joy. Lord, look what happens. And then Jesus gives this answer here. He's referencing something that happened centuries before these people were born. Centuries before you and I were born. He's referencing something that they don't know anything about and that you and I don't know anything about. We know very little about what he's saying here in verse 18. But he does it for a purpose. He says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He, he's opening their eyes just a little bit here. And he should be opening our eyes with that statement here as well. Because Jesus is not just this man that we see standing before us with our eyes if we were the 72. He's the eternal Son of God. And long ago, he witnessed something happen that was entirely spiritual and entirely in a different realm. He saw the great enemy of humanity rise up and try to conquer God and dethrone God and become God Himself. And Jesus was, was there. Jesus witnessed that. He's, he's existed forever. He's not created. He knows exactly what He's talking about. And, and what did He see? Did He see God become overcome by Satan? No, He, he saw Satan overcome by God. He saw the rebel rise up and the rebellion squash in an instant. And look at the language and the wording that he uses. I saw Satan float down like a snowflake. I saw Satan cast down like lightning. Understand the significance of what he's saying. He was cast down with ease. He was cast down with absolute authority, absolute strength, absolute precision. He stood no chance. He had no hope. There was nothing he could do. As quickly and as surely and as powerfully as lightning, lightning strikes the ground of the earth, so too was Satan cast out from the presence of God. His rebellion stood no chance whatsoever. No hope. It was squashed as quickly as it rose up. I was there and I witnessed this. He was gone. That tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? Tells us that He is this very unconquerable King of the kingdom. And that no rebel and no rebellion will ever dethrone Him. Because not only did He see this and not only was He there, He was the active participant. I saw Satan. I myself cast Satan down like lightning from heaven. We come and, and, and we see now the king of the kingdom and we should be in verse 18 just in awe of authority, in awe of His greatness and His magnitude and His, his splendor. Because let me just maybe humble you a little bit. You are no match for Satan. 
You're no match for the, the evil in this world in your own power, in your own strength. But on the other side of that coin, Satan is no match for Christ. None whatsoever. And this is the king of our kingdom that we belong to. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28, the writer would say, we belong to a kingdom that what cannot be shaken, cannot be stopped, cannot be jolted. And that's why Jesus would go on in verse 19 to say, nothing shall hurt you. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, just this, this symbolic um, picture of demonic powers. I've, I've given you the authority over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall hurt you. So, the Lord, back to verse 17, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in Your name. Yeah, but that's because You belong to Me. And that's because I'm Your King. And that's because I enable You. And that's because I use You. That's because You're My tools. See, we have, we have no joy in participation if we belong to a weak kingdom. The fact that we have confidence in our King who uses us for His own purposes is why we can build on a solid foundation to the point of joy. Because our king can't be conquered. And our king has said, you are, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, my ambassadors. You'll speak on behalf of me and you'll work on behalf of me and you'll, you'll advance the gospel on behalf of me and you'll point people back to me and what I say is law and what I say is rule and what I tell you to do, you'll do. And that is obedience and that is faith and that is serving Christ with your life and expending your life for His kingdom. And in that, you will not be hurt. You will not be overcome. I have overcome the power of the enemy. Therefore, the enemy's power won't overcome you. We have joy not just in participating in the kingdom's advancement. We have joy in the king of our kingdom. That nothing will stop him. Nothing will quench his power. He rules for all eternity. He rules with all power. He possesses all strength. He has absolute authority. That's why Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, who could be against us? Nothing. Nothing in life. Nothing in death. Nothing visible or invisible will ever separate us from Christ because no one is a match for Christ. He's greater. So why John 10, Jesus will say, no one will snatch you out of my hand. You're mine once for all. What a, what a glorious king. What a beautiful king. What a, what a joyful king we can belong to. You don't just have joy as a Christian in serving with Christ. You have joy in knowing Christ and knowing that if you belong to Him, nobody, nothing, will stop Him and you. Well, thirdly, real quick, we don't just have joy and participation. And we don't just have joy in knowing the King, although that's primary. We also have joy that the kingdom of God is personal. Verse 20, it's personal. Nevertheless, Jesus says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. As Jesus saying that we should never rejoice that the kingdom of God is advanced? No, I don't think that's what He's saying. Is He saying that we, we shouldn't rejoice that demonic forces are subject to Him? No, that's not what He's saying. What He is saying here is, let me reshape and remake 
and refocus your priorities. Don't don't just rejoice that demonic forces are subject to the kingdom of God. That that's good and and yeah, we have joy there. That's not your primary joy. Don't rejoice in that alone. That's secondary. Rejoice in what is primary. Rejoice that the kingdom of God doesn't just conquer demonic forces. It conquers your own sinful heart. Don't just rejoice that the kingdom of God advances in the world, but that it has advanced in your heart. That's what he's getting at here. And that is eternally important for us, isn't it? Yes, we celebrate that the kingdom goes forth. Yes, we celebrate that nothing can stop God's kingdom. But primarily, we celebrate that nothing stopped God's kingdom and the gospel from taking root in us. My life has been conquered by Jesus. And my life now belongs to this king. Your names are written in heaven. We are now made new citizens, new creations. And our citizenship is recorded in the official census of heaven for all eternity. And the citizens of heaven can never be dispelled from their kingdom, never be dispelled from their country, can never be taken captive. We belong to the King who has all power, and all authority, and all rule. And just as we sang, what makes this so much more special is how are our names written in heaven? Because our King loved us enough to die on a cross for us. Now see, we're not just servants of a King doing His work. We're citizens of a King who defends us passionately and loves us deeply. Praise God that the kingdom advanced in our lives. Praise God that the gospel went forth in your heart and someone was bold enough to share it with you and the Holy Spirit did His work to bring it to life to you and open your eyes and remove the veil and soften your heart so that you would believe and have faith and trust in Christ. Praise God, the kingdom of God is alive in me. That's where joy is found. Don't just rejoice that you're an instrument. Don't just rejoice that the king is unconquerable. Rejoice that you are the eternal chosen child of the king. That's where joy is at. We are liberated from this very enemy that, that this text talks about. You're no longer enslaved. You're no longer captive as a child of God. You've been liberated by the King. Joy is not found, church, in, in earthly things. It's found in eternal things. It's found with, in, in working with and meditating on and resting with Christ. Here is your, is your formula for finding lasting, true, genuine, abiding joy in this life. It's use your God-given gifts for the glory of God. If you don't do that, you will always feel like something's missing and something's lacking, I guarantee it. But it's not just in exercising your gift, it's also in combination with that, remembering who your king is. How glorious he is. Wonderful, powerful, 
loving. And remember that all of that, the power, the love, the authority, the liberation, has been applied to your heart for eternity. And your name is in heaven forever. You don't have to pursue the lies of the world to find lasting and abiding joy. Let me tell you, give your life to Christ and even in the midst of a difficult mission, you will find lasting joy. Lasting contentment, completion, satisfaction, fulfillment, purpose. That is your answer. So even in the midst of living in a sinful, corrupted, fallen, broken, hard world, you and I are privileged to know Christ, to serve with Him, and to, to rest in Him. And that Christian is your joy. Now you will not know that joy if you have not given your life to Christ. You cannot serve God if you do not belong to God. You cannot know the King if you haven't given yourself to the King. If you haven't turned to Him for salvation, your name may not be written in heaven today. Well, that explains why you have no joy. You can't have joy if your name isn't in the official census of heaven. Doesn't belong to Christ. But the good news is this king died for the sins of sinners. To make sinners his children. And you can have your name written. Your name can be realized in heaven. You can turn to Christ in faith today and discover your name is in heaven forever. This kingdom can be advanced in your heart today. Turn to Jesus in faith. If you're a believer this morning and you realize I am struggling with joy and I am struggling with contentment and I'm wrestling right now with life. Let me just tell you, this is, this is your answer. Whatever desires and abilities Christ has given you, use them for His glory under the assurance of His divine authority and power and in the hope and, and joy and peace of knowing that that same power Hold your heart forever. Lord, I thank you for this text because it shows us a lot about what we need to know in life. God, I think joy is such a significant topic and issue for humanity. I think whether we realize it or not, we spend most of our, if not all of our existence in pursuit of it. We want to be happy and we want to know pleasure. We want to know purpose and meaning. We want to have joy. And Lord, my heart burdens as Yours does for so many people, myself included, who buy the lie of the world and pursue joy in the wrong places and in the wrong ways. It's, it's really as simple as, as we could summarize it, it's giving our lives to You. Giving our lives to You. You are such a glorious King. And Your kingdom is going to be advanced. It is going to go forth. It, it will not be conquered by the enemy. It's, it's going to overcome. I pray that You would let us, to, let us have a part in that. To know the significance of that. To join you in the work. To rest in who you are. And be in awe of, of your nature. And 
to be moved by the fact that you would die for us and secure us for you in you for eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May we look for joy nowhere else but in you. And know now how we get it. That one day when we meet you in heaven, we would have joy like these 72 did. For your glory and in your name we pray this, Lord. Amen.